Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Notice what I said, faith follows a process. But I, I want to say something because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, you don't need to turn there, that, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen or perceived with the senses. But the major point I want to make in verse 6, it says, For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that is our sincere desire, and that is to please God. And I'm going to share a few things from the Word of God today. And I, I believe the Word of God is, is, is a clarion call today, challenging us to grow up. It's time for us to stop being babes and being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's a lot of winds blowing. There are a lot of religious stuff that's going on. And, and Satan is a master of religion. Satan is a master of religion. And that was one of the challenges that Jesus had when he came into the earth because Jesus did not introduce a religion. He opened the door for a relationship, a relationship. And so uh, in reality, Christianity is not a religion. There are a lot of religions and Satan is the author of religion. Jesus Christ is the author of relationship. There's the only way we can have relationship with the father is through Jesus Christ alone. There's no other way. There's no other door. There's no other avenue of getting in to the presence of the Father except through Jesus. And Jesus came and paid a price so that you and I today could make Jesus our personal Savior and make him Lord of our lives, that we might enjoy all of the things that God created for his children. Faith can only grow out of the word of God. Now listen, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So as a Christian, as a believer, perhaps our most important point that we would like to establish is to position ourselves where our lives are pleasing to God. And God says the only thing that pleases him is our faith. And faith grows out of the word of God. Faith, listen to this, and I'm speaking to myself today because there are a lot of things right now that I don't necessarily understand. But faith is unquestioning belief. Faith is unquestioning belief. Oh my. Faith is unquestioning belief in God. It is complete trust, complete trust. And so I'm trusting God that he would move in a way that only he can move to comfort, to strengthen, to console my bereaved family. And particularly those who don't know Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, it is my prayer that in this time of crisis in our family that God would send an angel or a labor to cross a family member in my family's path 
Because the only place that you can find comfort and the only place that you can find true and lasting security is in the capable hands and the capable arms of Almighty God. And so not only, God, I pray today that you would comfort my family, but that you would comfort the Harvest Church family and comfort those members who ministered to my mother faithfully. There were members who checked on her. There were members who brought her food and took her different places. It doesn't make any difference if you don't know. God knows who those people are. And I pray to God that God would bless them and increase them and thank them for every good deed done to my mother that made her life and her journey on this earth a little better. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so I bless you today and I thank you for praying for my family, undergirding us with your prayers. And by the grace of God, we will, we will get through this. Turn, if you would, your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And to my family, this is a time where you're going to have to lean on God like never before. Mother's gone, but Jesus is still right there. He hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. He is still there to aid you, to, to help you, and to strengthen you, and to see you through this time of bereavement and bring the whole family out on the other side in a better way, in a better place. And then we have this blessed hope because my mother was a believer. All of those who are believers, according to the word of God, we're going to see her again. And so we don't grieve like those who have no hope at all. For the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And so my mother laid down the house that she was able to express herself with and through in the earth. But her, her real essence, her spirit and her soul is with the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. No more pain for my mother. No more doctor appointments for my mother. No more bills for my mother. Amen. She's in a blessed place. And so we rejoice in that reality. Amen. And to be able to rejoice, it requires a certain measure of maturity. And Paul, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, but if you would take the time in your study time to go through the whole book of Ephesians, the whole essence of the book of Ephesians is Paul charging the Christian to leave babyhood and to move into maturity. So let's look at this in Ephesians 4, verse number 14. Ephesians 4. Look what he says in verse number 14. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Then he changes gears by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful uh, plottings. Are, are, are you, did you hear what I said? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Paul is saying there comes a time as a believer that, that you should no longer be acting like children. The things that used to stumble you shouldn't be stumbling you now. The things that used to hold you back when you started your walk with God should not be holding you back anymore. 
And as I said early on, that faith follows a process. Follow me if you would. Uh, I want to go to these steps. Because faith and growing in faith is like going up the steps. And I've gone up one step. And, and that's one level. But if I continue on with God, and if you continue on in the word and feast on the word and meditate the word and speak the word and declare the word and believe the word and receive the word, it, it, the word itself, because of the power that's in the word, it will usher you to another, another level. And Paul is saying that faith is a process. We should be taking steps up in the things of God, faith to faith, from glory to glory. In other words, Paul says, when you first get saved, you're like in a baby stage. You're right here. But as you, as you faithfully study the word and receive the word of God, you should go on to maturity. You should, you should grow up. And, and, and as you continue with God, uh, you, should, you, should go, you should go higher. In other words, Paul says, oh, when you get this level, to this level, uh, you, you, you're sucking a bottle. Uh, if you don't have a bottle, you may put your thumb in your mouth or what they call them things, a pacifier. Yeah, a baby needs a pacifier. And, and we don't mind putting a pacifier in a baby's mouth, but I got an issue putting a pacifier in somebody who's 30 years old. And so Paul was saying, on this level, uh, God understands that you're just beginning your process. You're just beginning your walk in the things of God. And, and at this level, you throw tantrums when you don't get your way. Uh, you're easily offended. Uh, you, you, uh, when, when something is served to you, uh, you might kick over the glass. You, you, you might regurgitate whatever your parents have put in your mouth. You're, you're at the baby stage. And, and, and at the baby stage, uh, many times you, you need somebody to change your diapers uh, because you're just getting started. Uh, you need somebody, yes, to hold your hand because you're not able to walk on your own yet. Uh, you're crawling around and doing some things. But after a certain period of time pass, uh, you should leave uh, the gaga goo goo stage uh, of Christianity and, and you should move to another, another stage where you don't need your mother or your father's hands to walk. You, you can kind of walk on your own. Uh, you don't need the saints of God to hold you up as, as much as they used to hold you up. You, at this level, uh, you're starting to find your way. Uh, you don't need baby food anymore uh, because you're maturing. Your body is maturing. So the food that used to satisfy on this level... Uh, won't give you the proper nourishment on this level. Why? Because you're growing up in the things of God. And, and then uh, after a projected period of time in the process, if you stay in the process, you go to another level of faith. And eventually you get to a, a place of faith where you just flat out believe God and nothing can shake you. And that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians Chapter number four. Now notice, notice in the B part of verse number 14, he says, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful, of deceitful plotting, of deceitful plotting. Uh, 
Paul does some mixing here of metaphors. He's kind of mixing the metaphors here. He is trying to bring out vividly the danger of a believer continuing as a babe. Paul is trying to bring out clearly and vividly the danger of being a Christian but refusing to grow. You've been walking with God for five years. You should be more developed than somebody who's just been walking with God a year. The things that would upset a, a baby Christian, a newborn Christian, something that would sidetrack a person who just got saved should be sidetracking somebody who's been walking with God for 10 years. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's just simply one more. One is more mature than the other. Are you, are you listening to me? Just like in the natural, you don't expect a one-year-old child to be able to do what a 10-year-old could do. Are you listening to me? Uh, you wouldn't give your car keys uh, to, to your six-year-old son and say, go to the store and, uh, you know, and, and, and purchase a bag of potatoes and, and bring it back. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do it because they're not mature enough yet. And perhaps you wouldn't give it to your 16-year-old or your 17-year-old. But we've got a real issue if there's a need in the house and the store has the product that we need that we can't give the car keys to somebody in the house who is 30 years old. Everybody in the house who's 30 years old should be able to take the keys and be responsible to go to the store and purchase whatever is necessary and come back home a safe and sound. Why? Because of the time factor of, the, of them being alive, they should have matured. Well, it's just like in the natural. If a child is saying gaga, goo goo at six years old, you don't have to go to school and get a degree. You don't have to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist to know that there is something uh, wrong in the development of this child who is six, seven, or eight years old, still walking around talking about gaga, goo goo. Well, just like you understand that in the natural, sad to say, there are Christians who are still walking around saying gaga, goo goo, and they should be talking now. And this is what Apostle Paul is talking about in Ephesians. He's talking about to the Christian. He is saying to us, there's a, there's a real danger in you getting saved and not going on in the process of developing your faith to a place where you're no longer babes in Christ, but you must, you must mature into maturity or adulthood. Are, are you all listening to me? I said, are you all listening to me? In this lifelong walk of faith, we must develop, we must develop on purpose from babyhood to full maturity, to full maturity. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, hopefully, you'll see it for the first time in a way that you need to see it. In Ephesians 4, look at the verse number 11. Ephesians 4, verse number 11, because Paul is talking about maturity. And he says here, and he gave to some to be apostles. And he himself gave some to be apostles. In other words, God 
has placed these gifts in the church. This is the point I want to make today and I'm done. I believe one of the major reasons why we're not seeing the maturity, the, the, the advancement, the development in the church like we should is because we are ignoring the gifts that God placed in the body that would bring the church to maturity. Now, I don't want any of you pastors to get upset with me, but, but I'm, I'm convinced from Scripture that no one man or woman have all of these gifts wrapped up in themselves. And the reason I believe God did it that way is so that we won't operate thinking that we got it all and act independently of the rest of the body. And so God so set this thing up that we can't come to full maturity like we should unless we have all of the gifts that God has placed in the church to bring the body of Christ to a place of maturity. Can somebody say amen? And he gave first apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Notice what he gave church to the church first. And he gave some to be apostles. Now, some of you have never even heard about an apostle. And if somebody say that there are an apostle, uh, you, you get highly upset. And, 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 and that's wild fire. But God, notice that God gave first apostles. No, 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 no. He didn't give pastors first. He gave first apostles. And for many in the body of Christ, we have never been in the company of an apostle. We don't even know what an apostle is. And an apostle is a sent one. And a prophet is a person who has, has uh, uh, I like to call it, uh, an inspiration from God on insight, being able to see. And then he gave evangelists, evangelists like a, a traveling missionary. They just go around uh, just getting people saved. But after people get saved, they need to be anchored in the word of God. And he gave and then he gave he gave pastors. Pastors are called by God to shepherd the flock. Pastors are called by God to shepherd, to oversee the flock. And then he gave he gave teachers. Teachers are to help to instruct the flock. Teachers are those who are gifted of God who can just take the word of God. It's almost like digging in your ear and getting out anything in there that shouldn't be in there. They just have a gift to, to break down the word of God. Now, a pastor may have some of these gifts that I've just mentioned where they flow in and out. But again, I don't believe that one person have all of these gifts manifesting and working in and through their lives in a way that will cause the maturity to come to the church like God intended. And because we have not acknowledged these gifts that God has placed in the body of Christ to bring us to maturity, here we are, amen, after all of this time, we're still getting offended over silly stuff. We're still holding uh, unforgiveness in our hearts. We're still causing division. We're still causing strife. We're still operating in carnality and all of these fleshly things because we have not yet come to a place of maturity. 
Now, let, let, let's, let's, let's go a little further. Uh, look at verse number 12. And he gave apostles, prophets. He gave pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Why did he give them? Why did God give these gifts to the church? Now, now pastors, please don't back up on me and don't get mad. But if you're called to be a pastor, then you're pastoring the church. But a pastor is not necessarily a prophet. A pastor is not necessarily an apostle. And a pastor is not necessarily an evangelist. And a pastor is not necessarily a teacher in that gift. But by and large, the body of Christ gets all of her spiritual food from the pastor. Yet God has placed in the church the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher. And by and large, the only people that the church, the flock, come in contact with is the pastor. But God said in the church, I didn't say the pastor wasn't called of God because God does set pastors in the church. But he also sets apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. Why does God do this? Look at verse number 12. I'm glad you asked. He placed them in the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying so if we, don't, if we don't adequately acknowledge and receive the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, then we're going to be handicapped when it comes to doing the work of the ministry. We're going to be handicapped when it comes to edifying the body of Christ because God gave Five ministry gifts. And by and large, we are expecting one of the five to do everything. So we kill, we are killing our pastors because they're trying to be all of these things and God never intended for the pastor to be all of these things. God placed five ministry gifts and he placed more than five. But in terms of the, of the upper leadership of the church, he placed these five ministry gifts in the church. First apostles, why did he place them? For, for the building up of the people of God so that the, the congregation, so that the flock could do the ministry. I'm going to start some trouble now. If we're going to stay to the plan of God it's not the pastor who should be going to the hospitals visiting the sick. It should be the church because the, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist should have caused the church to mature to a place where they can go and do the work of the ministry. It is, it is, it is developing the church from these five ministry gifts that they're able to edify the whole body of Christ. Are you seeing this? And for the most part, the church come, the people of God come to church, 
They sit in the pew or the chairs. They receive the word of God and they go home. They come to church. They receive the word of God and they go home. And the majority of them, statistics prove that, the majority of them never share their faith with anybody. And the reason many believers don't share their faith is because they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable sharing their faith because they don't feel equipped. And so because they don't feel adequately equipped, they're scared. They're scared when somebody knock on their door with a tower standing outside and want to talk to them about some other way because they don't feel equipped that they're able to to encounter somebody from a different perspective and then after the meeting is over, still have their perspective intact. And so they walk around timid and afraid. Are, are you all listening to me? And so we've got to come to a place, I believe, and I'm believing God that hopefully by New Year's that this plague that has hit our country, amen, I'm just believing God that this thing will just die wither and just go away. Uh, uh, we need to come together. I got my faith out that hopefully by New Year's, it'll be safe in some measure that we can come to the house of God and corner near together because we so desperately need one another. The body, we need one another. We need to fellowship. We need to rub shoulders. We need to see one another. There's strength in that. There's inspiration in that. And I'm believing God, certainly by the beginning of this year, of 2021, that uh, we will be able to come together and be safe. Amen. Would you agree with me on that? And, and as we go forward, I believe God is trying to get our attention, church, that he's not calling us back to church to do what we've been doing. I don't believe God is calling us back when that door opens for us to safely come back to the house of God, to come back and only to get back in that same old routine that we were in. And so I pray today that you begin to delve in some of these truths that I've just shared and, and, and discover for yourself that God, not me, but God placed these gifts in the church. He placed apostles. And we need modern-day apostles. Not apostles. There will be no more apostles of the Lamb. But, but there is an office of an apostle, a sent one, a person who's had an encounter with God and is on a mission because they've been sent by God. And if there's ever a time that we need prophets in the land, man, we need, we need true, not false prophets. We need true prophets today who can see and who can discern and who can check the temperature and who can tell us what's coming down the road so that we can prepare ourselves. And God knows we need evangelists. We need the evangelists set us on fire again. Amen. That we'll no longer be thinking about how much more stuff we can get, but how many more souls can we win and add them to the kingdom of God. We need the gift of the evangelists that will stir us up to go out and to win souls for God. And then once they're won and brought into the house of God, we need the pastor to oversee them and to, to guard them and to know the condition of the flock. But we also need the gift of the teacher. We also need the gift of the teacher, the person who can just get in the word of God and dig out those nuggets that will just bring revelation that will just bless our lives. 
And why does God want us to have this? So that we can mature. So that we will no longer be tossed to and fro. I want to thank God with all of the things that have been going on in my personal life and my family. I want to thank God that he's privileged me to know him well enough not to be shaken by all these things that are going on, that my faith has been anchored sure in almighty God. My, my faith is anchored when I think of all the things that God has already done in my life. When I think about the times that he's brought me out of this situation and he, and he brought me out of that situation. And I don't know about you, but I've been in places and situations where it looked humanly impossible to get out or for a change to ever come. And God stepped right in my impossible situation and turned it completely around. And so when I look at all of the wonderful, unexplainable things that God has already done in my life, then I'm anchored today. My mother has transitioned, but I'm anchored today. We're not gathering together in the house of God, but I'm anchored today. They're saying this in, in Washington. The next day, they say something else in Washington, but I'm anchored today. We got one president right now. We're getting ready to have another one in a few more days, but I'm anchored in this. The Muslims are saying that they got the answer, but I'm anchored in this. Amen. The Jehovah Witness say they got the answer, but I'm anchored in the word of God. I know in whom I have believed. And the God that I serve, he is faithful and he's a present help in the time of trouble. And the Bible says, all we have to do is call on him. And I don't know what you're facing today, but God said, if you call on him, that he, that he will answer. Oh, bless his, bless his holy name. Faith is like going up the stairs. And we're not in competition. We're not in a race with one another. But I do want to challenge every child of God who's listening to me today. That whatever step, whatever level of faith you find yourself on today. It is not the will of God for you to stay there. The disciples was on, the Bible says, the sea. But if you have the privilege of going to Israel, you'll discover that what the Bible calls the sea is really a lake. Uh, the Sea of Galilee, they were on this, this lake. And Jesus told the disciples, let us go over to the other side. And a storm, just out of nowhere, just, uh, just a, a forceful wind began to blow and, and, and the sea, the water began to be troubled and tossing the boat all around. And the disciples who were walking with Jesus became afraid 
And the Bible says that they went to the hinder part of the boat because Jesus was back there sleeping on a pillow. And they woke him up. And they said, Jesus, don't you care? And I'm speaking to somebody now because the winds and the ways of life may be blowing on your life to the place where the devil is trying to convince you that God does not care about you, that God does not see you anymore, that God has turned his back, that God has dealt with you over and over and over, and now God is through with you, and it's all over and done. I'm here to tell you today that the devil is alive. God still loves you. And the Bible says that they woke Jesus up, and, and Jesus got up, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. You know, what, what, what's, what's up, fellas? And they're like, don't, how can you sleep when we are facing a storm, a deadly storm? And I'm sure Jesus in his heart, he was thinking, didn't I say to you, let us go over to the other side? And then Jesus done an astonishing thing. I believe he turned to the sea and said, be still. And the sea became still. And then I believe he turned to the disciples and he said, peace. And then he closes his comments to the disciples and he said, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, Jesus was saying, if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could speak to your situation and turn it completely around. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not perceived with the senses. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith grows out of the word of God. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Today, it is God's will for you and myself to go from one level of faith to another level of faith. It is God's will for us to stop being babes, stop being tossed to and fro, for a stronger wind is going to blow. And those who are not anchored in the word of God, deception is going to increase. I'm telling you, deception is going to get so convincing that if you're not anchored in the word of God, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to remain standing. And so today, I'm charging you as Apostle Paul. Anchor yourself in the word of God. For faith grows out of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live 
online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.